Tonight in the Flophouse, we examine the Billy Zane vehicle, Memory. Surely the best Billy Zane movie since the last one. a lot of time at the beginning of the first episode simply going over the synopsis. Uh, we're going to start this episode with the Wikipedia synopsis of memory. While lecturing in Brazil, Dr. Taylor Briggs, Billy Zane, an American authority on memory, consults on a patient found deep in the Amazon. During the exam, Taylor is accidentally exposed to a mysterious substance which unlocks a series of memories in his brain. Memories that are not his. The memory of a killer who committed crimes before Taylor was even born. A killer who is closer than you think. The mystery will rip open Taylor Briggs's well-crafted life, estranging his relationship with his best friend, Dr. Deepra Ching, leading him into romance with a beautiful enigmatic painter, Stephanie Jacobs, played by Trisha Helfer, straining his relationship with his mom's best friend, Carol, and Margaret, causing him to question the surrogate father figure in his life. Dr. Max Lichtenstein. And now we join the others in the Flop House. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the <laughs> Flop House. Uh, Simon's laughing because I'm putting my radio yeah, voice is. on. Yeah, he is. Hello! Welcome to the Flop House. Uh, the show where we discuss movies that aren't that good. And <laughs> it sucks so bad. It makes me die inside. Tonight we talk about the movie Memory, starring Billy Zane. And I think. Oh, the Billy Zane issue. Okay, well, and I think it's fair to call it an issue. What are your feelings on Billy Zane? I hate Billy Zane. I really do. Yeah? Yeah, I really do. In all scenes, he constantly has a smug look on his face. No matter what line he's delivering or what the emotional context is, he's always got this kind of like, <laughs> whatever, man. I don't, I don't care. I have, to, I have to admit a sneaking fondness for Billy Zane. I think it's stupid. I don't know. He looks what... like a fucking rapist. <laughs> He looks like he would probably rape you. That's the thing. Uh, he might, but he wishful would do it. <laughs> oh, man. A oh, man. Like, if Billy Zane raped you, he would do it with sort of a sly, uh, understated humor. No, there's, 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 like a, there's a brutish, thug-like quality to him that makes him very unlikable. <laughs> See? I, I find his smugness somehow sort of charming. Endearing? Sure. No, I don't think so. I've had a really complex relationship with Billy Zane. Explain. I watched Lake Consequence, the Zalman King movie, when I was pretty young, and it was really erotic. Sure. Uh, so I always just kind of attribute... Now, like like really, a pretty association really, thing. Yeah, Was really, it erotic because of Billy Zane, though, or was it just... Well, the, I, think, I think the problem is that he was he was just post-pubescent, like, so that shit's all wrapped up in his brain now, it's all twisted together, and he doesn't know where the Billy Zane ends and the eroticism begins. You're saying he gets aroused whenever he sees Billy well, Zane. Well, again, not necessarily. <laughs> I think the two are twisted together. I actually think Dan's close to the mark here, guys. <laughs> it wasn't Joan Severance. I like the fact that I, you know, I watch Billy Zane in this movie, and I feel like Billy Zane believes he is in some sort of light comedy. That's and Billy Zane that's believes he's in a light like. comedy in every movie he's in because he's constantly like, like smirking or sneering at everyone. 
And he wears a shitload of turtlenecks in this movie. Well, all I'm gonna say is that some of his turtlenecks, aunt... a lot of burgundy sweaters, no, fine I... light sweat, light Look, sweaters. I'm not saying that we shouldn't address his wardrobe because <laughs> this movie was clearly sponsored by L. Bean. Uh, Every, yeah. like, he's either wearing a V-neck or he's wearing a turtleneck, and it's like burgundy, like very gentle colors, like a nice maroon or like a tobacco color, like you know, like a nice chocolatey brown. Yeah. Now. This movie and exposition was there very much. <laughs> Literally, Thoughts. if it's possible for there to be 200% exposition in a movie, <laughs> this movie had 200% exposition. It was all exposition. Really? Yes, absolutely. I agree with you, sir. <laughs> we are of a mind. A key example, I would say, uh, probably the point in which... Uh, there's a to-do list that fills the entire screen. And one of the things on the to-do list is... Pick up scuba gear. And then later, lo and behold, in the movie, what skill does Billy Zane have that he needs to call upon to solve the mystery but uh, his scuba diving? He has scuba diving abilities, sure. Uh, maybe I'm a little harsh, but I really think that he needed to be able to scuba dive. Like, do you really feel that, like, if that scene wasn't in the movie, you wouldn't have known what was going on? My favorite exposition moment was when he and his um, Asian friend with the weird mustache... Why do you have to bring up these Asian people? Well, it's just because that was He's his friend. friend. Okay, fine. His friend. He only his has friend literally one friend the, in the movie. Yes. <laughs> his, his mustachioed friend. In any case, his friend and he, they're at that bar, and they're talking, and, he's, and his friend's talking about, like, you can't worry about whether or not you yourself will get Alzheimer's someday like your mom who has Alzheimer's. And like they go on this conversation that's like, oh, so he's not only a good guy and really smart, but also really into Alzheimer's research. Got it. Yeah, Which brings up another problem I have with this goddamn movie. The fucking movie was about memories, so they made the character an Alzheimer's researcher. Had nothing to do with the plot, it just it seems really fitting. Simon, that's, that's good screenwriting. No, it's not good screenwriting. That, give, there's nothing that makes that good. What makes that good? You give the character, you see to give the character a personal problem <laughs> that relates to the theme of the movie. And the theme is memory, as God. exemplified by the title of the film, Memory, which is explained to us. First, The first shot of the film is a dictionary definition of memory for all of the non-English speakers in the audience. Frankly, to tell you the truth, fucking for the first hour and a half, I had no fucking idea what was going on. Literally no idea whatsoever. Now, granted, I'd been drinking and I was texting somebody most of the time, but to tell you the truth, no idea. I just saw Billy Zane smirking most of the time. It was a, I would say it would be fair to call it a slow-starting movie. Well, I wouldn't even say that it was slow-starting so much as it was like a weird series of like tableaus that didn't really have anything to do with each other. Like, Billy Zane, researching Alzheimer's. Billy Zane, in Brazil. Billy Zane! Tooling around town. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's address this a little bit. The, the, the thrust of the film is Billy Zane starts getting memories that aren't his, and that leads him into like this mystery. It's a mystery. And these memories are like, these are memories that some family member had that he's remembering. I really liked all the bits where all of a sudden he would close his eyes, and then he would be in a memory. <laughs> yeah, that was really because good Because it was really true to life. <laughs> sure, that's the way I experienced memory. Like, well, that was the best part about it, is that instead of, it wasn't just that he had his parents' memories, he experienced them in, like, a living way. Like, he would live the memory in his waking life. Well, whenever I have a memory, it's like an epileptic seizure. Like, yes. I, I literally... Oh, just, well, no, remember, though... I disengage from life as it is, and then I, it's like a blackout. So that's why I try not to remember things in day-to-day -day life. Sure. But the reason he starts <laughs> having these mysteries 
The film starts out in, in Sao Paulo, where he gets ex- exposed to this dust. Yep. Which has been used in religious ceremonies the world over for 2,000 years, as the movie explained. Two million. Explained. Two, no, it wasn't two million. It was, it was two million, million dude. No way it was two million. Dude, it, it was, was totally two million. They said two million. Are you sure they didn't say Civilized two million? Civilized societies for two million years have been using this <laughs> dust. Two million years. A world over. <laughs> Weirdly enough, without uh, any form of communication. It's called Red Ochre. The world. But anyway, he goes back to uh, to the United States, and literally, the whole opening is just a plot device. <laughs> some reason that so he, he can start having the memories. Experience sure. someone else's memories. Right. We don't return to Brazil. Like, he doesn't encounter like some sort of Brazilian cult operating in America. <laughs> no. A bunch of like memory monsters or some shit. You know what? Here's the thing about this movie that pisses me off so much. Like, oh god, I can't handle these like twist movies. Like, some kid found out that he was adopted by a serial killer, and his real dad was the cop who was hunting the serial killer. Like, it seems like if anyone comes up with a bullshit idea, I need to make a movie around this retarded thing. Like, wouldn't that be weird if that happened? So they make him go to Brazil, where he accidentally touches powder that makes you experience your parents' memories. Later, turns out that's a fucking lucky break, because one of his parents is a murderer. <laughs> fucking pretty, pretty nice. And this all becomes clear in the last five minutes of the movie when he stumbles upon a dungeon of sure, evidence. Let's call, let's call it a dungeon. It's a dungeon of evidence. <laughs> I, I, I like to call it an evidence dungeon. <laughs> Well, in any case, it's 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 certainly not a basement. It's a dungeon. It's far Strangely, too. <laughs> in the course of defeating the old woman, <laughs> that Billy Zane is luckily able to overpower. Uh, he manages to destroy all the evidence. So case closed. Sure, yep. Billy Zane is I exonerated. Like, <laughs> the nightmare is over. I like to call that the Tango and Cash ending. Yep, where everything explodes and then job well done. Way to go, Moss. <laughs> By the way. Two episodes, two Tango and Cash mentions. Uh, we're only two episodes <laughs> of this podcast, and we've already mentioned Tango and Cash twice. But if you recall, Tango and Cash blow up Jack Palance's uh, evil compound <laughs> and all of the evidence that would exonerate them. Now, but in this then, case, yeah, it's swap Tango and Cash for Billy Zane and subject Palance, you have and Margaret, the old woman who I think at the point is passed out when it explodes. Uh, true. We don't know if she was passed out or if maybe there had been some like horrible poison. She had stabbed with a syringe. Yeah, and maybe Margaret, it was a knockout thing. I don't know. Maybe she's she was unconscious. She's poison or she's burned to death. Um, he beat up an elderly woman who turns out, um, well, spoiler alert, um, turns out that Anne Margaret's his fucking real mom through a retarded series of things that aren't worth discussing and she's a murderer and she bases her murdering on an angel? Uh, part of the lesser known, like, I don't know if that's part of the Tetragrammaton or not. I don't know where you'd find that. Wait, did you just say Tetragrammaton? Yes, yes. The four major books of the Jewish religion. I don't know if it comes from folklore or what. Now, Simon, you said something about uh, a really cool angel. What was she based on? Uh, what, you mean Kefzeel? Yeah! Kefzeel the angel. Now, the what? angel of dead children. Now, if I recall, she used that name, Calf Seal. Yes, she did. When she went on the internet to find girls. Yeah, she used that as an I am handle. Yep, an we would call her handle. Not sure. <laughs> in, this, in this internet age. Animus uh, is good, too. Like though. the whole MySpace stalking age that we live in. Uh, she would stalk young girls via instant messenger. Well, and I mean, she used the name Calf Seal, but she printed it backwards. Um, which I find weird because presumably all the little girls she's trying to kidnap are not familiar with Hebraic folklore. I don't know. Maybe the parents otherwise, are. Otherwise, they'd read the name and be like, 
Wait, Wait a, a minute, my daughter's being I.M. by someone named Kevziel. That's the angel of dead children! Well, but I mean, either way, what this you know movie has taught me is that, like, she's able to I.M. little girls without knowing... <laughs> With impunity, sure. <laughs> she doesn't... Well, I think what Dan's going for is more like, what, did she just start typing in random little girl-sounding <laughs> names? Like, um, daddy's little girl, or, um, baby princess. Just like, shit, I'm not coming up with anything. Spoiled rotten 24. <laughs> yep. Or even just trying, like, names like, um... Janie Anderson. Sure. Twelve. <laughs> Janie Anderson, twelve. Why not? And like, so, Janie, is that twelve just Janie? like a random number, or are you twelve years old? Like, perfect. <laughs> I'll soon be kidnapping you. It's me, your new friend, Left Kudzel, or whatever the fuck it is, backwards. <laughs> and, and Janie Anderson, twelve years old, of course, is like, oh, Left Kudzel. My Left new favorite internet friend. I will meet you in the mysterious forest. <laughs> <laughs> Where you will surely not kidnap me. Thanks for sending me that really cool uh, Flight of the Concords video clip for me to watch. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, I do like having tea parties with life-size uh, little girl dolls. Yeah, that was a really creepy part of the movie where uh, apparently Kevzio, in addition to murdering little girls, what she does is she kidnaps them and then makes like a plaster mold of their face and then makes a wax mask of it puts the wax mask on a doll, and she then seats that doll at a really big, long table for a tea party. Then, presumably later on, she kills the little girl. And then when new little girls get kidnapped, they all enjoy a super creepy tea party. <laughs> With all the beautiful little girls. All my little babies. You know, dolls... That's are... my Anne Margaret impression, by the way. Dolls are naturally scary. That's true. Uh, that is somebody true. figured this out in Hollywood, and now... <laughs> that man's name is Billy Zane. Now, um, I... Speaking of which, by the way, uh, if I could go back in time, and I had, say, a high school improv uh, troupe... <laughs> yep, I would, a troupe? I would name them the Billy Zanies. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. They're not the Zaniacs? The Billy Zaniacs. The, the Billy Zaniacs. The Billy and Zaniacs. Funster Chuckle Hut. <laughs> yep, the Billy Zane of Funster Chuckle Huts. Well, if you'll remember, there was that part where Billy Zane was having one of the memories, and he said that the abductor doesn't seem as fixated on killing the children as wanting to protect them. Hmm. However, the girls, the little girls, did die. That's worth mentioning. So, <laughs> Kevzel, not that great of a protector. Well, girls get scared when forced to endure a creepy, creepy tea party. Sure, they did. the truth, dude, I think uh, if you're gonna like choose Kevzel as your like tagline, <laughs> your animus, uh, yeah, as your animus, I think you're kind of um, setting yourself up for failure if your goal is not to lead to dead children. Yeah. As that's the <laughs> angel of dead children. Yes, specifically. Now, you might want to go with, I don't know, um, more gentleman of the road angel. Angel of living children, let's say. Sure. Now, so the uh, <laughs> evidence dungeon at the end. Yes. I thought it was really cool that there was like that really wiggly hall. That was the fucking weirdest part. Now, so I mean, obviously she has her room where she does all her like um, abductee research, like her notes like... Uh, things to do today. Abduct more with, girls underlined. Like highlighter, like, what the fuck? Right. Like, I don't do that. <laughs> and I'm smart. Right. I'm not a murderer. <laughs> the idea being that, like, it's the kind of to-do list that someone would write who doesn't normally write to-do lists. It's like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to write a to-do list. First, 7 o'clock, wake up. <laughs> 8 o'clock, go to work. And like, you know what? You don't got to write that shit out because you're going to do it. Right. 
So as an abductor, you don't have to write out like today must remember to abduct more girls exclamation point. Plan abduction. (laughs) Ten o'clock execute abduction. (laughs) Eleven o'clock enjoy abduction. (laughs) Enjoy fruits of abduction. So there was that room. However, the adjoining room was a really twisty hall, almost like a funhouse hallway, with a bunch of weird, like, crazy person words and phrases written everywhere. Yeah, it was like the hall that you would walk down if you went to, like, some church's, like, haunted house. Sure, or really, like, like, I don't know, like a, like a funhouse somewhere. Like a JC's haunted house. I don't know where sure, she got J- it. And it says things like, abortion's bad, or something sure. on the... I don't know, abortion rules or something. I, what's scarier? <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, sure, well I, guess I, don't it, know. I guess if it was a church and they were trying to be scary, they would probably say abortion rules. Yeah, you're because that, right. that would make it scary. No, you're otherwise, right. it wouldn't you're be right. a house of horrors. It would be a house of truth. Sure. <laughs> In any case, I remember seeing the hallway and wondering whether or not she was a carpenter. How she explained that construction <laughs> to the drywall installers. <laughs> like, I'm going to need, like, I don't know, like a really twisty hallway like, that a crazy person might have, you know, if I was crazy. But then, though, let's not forget that at the end of that crazy hallway, was the room of ultimate clues, like the so ultimate after, shits. Wait, <laughs> after traveling through that twisted... The like, twisted mind. The twisted mind, he gets to, like, the reasons. Mm-hmm. The answers. Sure. Which featured a really big picture of her. A gigantic, like, blown-up photograph of... A contemporary photograph of Anne-Margaret in the middle of the wall. In the middle, like a giant spider in the middle of a web. Sure. Yeah. It did, seems kind of weird. To be fair, <laughs> it did not have murderous written on it in big red <laughs> yep. sharp. Like, why am I such a murderer? Question mark. But then it was surrounded with, like, for instance, apparently, when you get discharged from a mental hospital, they give you your own report. <laughs> like, here's why you're crazy. Which she had the wall along with a bunch of photos and other damning evidence. Yeah, it was a, it was a really <laughs> weird post board. Now, I'd like to point out that the, uh, the co-writer-director of the film based his screenplay, and I'm assuming part of his directorial cues, on the novel of the same name, Memory. Sure. Which they mention um, in the opening credits. Yep. And do, wait, do, do they mention them in the closing credits? In the closing credits, <laughs> the first credit is, please go buy my book, please. Now, having It's not that movie, plaintive. Uh, having watched the movie, mm-hmm. um, I will go buy this book because it's obviously very good. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yes. Um, I would say that it seems like it's probably a tremendous novel. I only want to buy it once it's adapted into a graphic novel. Sure, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Too many words are really annoying. I want that. There, I want there to be a novelization of the film based on the novel, and <laughs> preferably written by Alan Dean Foster. Okay. And then I want that. David Foster Wallace. Yes, <laughs> David Foster Wallace. I would like. We'll be I, writing the novelization of the movie Memory based on the novel Memory. Right, and then I would based like, on an original graphic novel. Then I would like a graphic novel. Based on one of David Foster Wallace's footnotes. Based on David Foster Wallace. Sure. About him reading the book Memory. <laughs> It'd be like a supposedly fun memory I'll never wrench again. Sure, a great memory. <laughs> so, I, uh, I'd like to introduce a new segment that we're going to have in this uh, podcast. Whoa, 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 buddy. Yeah, chill the child, guys. I got I this one. <laughs> be careful. You know, don't worry about it. I got this one. Um, it's called Memories of Memory. <laughs> what is uh, literally your favorite moment in the movie Memory? Daniel. I mean, I may be stealing it from you. I don't know what you're thinking of, but uh, I know that you made us watch it a couple times. There was a moment at which mustache friend scientist said, Hey, remember that dust? We happened to feed it to these mice. 
And you know what happened? And uh, Billy Zane reacted in a way. He's, he's like, he's like, yeah, I remember. Like, <laughs> what he says is this. He's like, he says, do you remember those? Do you remember those rats that I fed the powder to? Billy Zane's reaction with a slightly arched eyebrows to say, yeah. He says it really weird and like, yeah, I remember. That was some good shit. Yeah, no, it's he, really fucking weird. His response is as if. He was saying, remember when we got those two tie hookers? <laughs> so that's you? a pretty good memory. My favorite memory is, okay, there's this awesome part where Billy Zane's walking down the street. And uh, he sees a painting that's very reminiscent of the image he's been having from these memories. He then goes to where the artist has her studio. Walks up to her and says, um, I'm interested in buying one of your paintings. Her reaction is to say, rather snidely, huh, would you buy a lot of art? Which was kind of weird. Um, he <laughs> handles it as best as he's able. And then she asked him out on a date to drink some hot chocolate. Um, during said date, they had no point in talking about the painting that they'd like to purchase. They pretty much just talk about their lives, get to know one another. And then she promptly leaves as she has another class to teach. <laughs> and you know what? He doesn't end up buying the painting. Whole thing, I think that part's really fucking weird. Now, my memory. You know, if this movie taught me anything, it's that memories are fickle beasts. They're creatures that you can't really, you can't trap into a little box. But I think the thing that I'm going to carry with me forever, probably, till I die, <laughs> is uh, the end of the film when Billy Zane realizes that the girl that he's in love with, his love interest that Simon just mentioned, Stephanie Jacobs, mm -hmm. that was her name, was actually the girl that was kidnapped that he was seeing in the memories of his dad or mom. I don't actually remember. No, it was his mom. It was his mom and Margaret. The ultimate murderer angel comes out. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, it was just really touching. Sure it was. It was and I think it was an excellent Daniel Mom. So, sure. <laughs> Can we take a moment just to talk about, I mean, other than Billy Zane... Sometimes a memory is a nightmare. For a film that uh, does not... That, you know, not a big not a big movie. No. Uh, but a great movie. <laughs> There's some name actors in this movie. Sure there are. Uh, Billy Zane, for instance. <laughs> other than Billy Zane... Dennis Hopper is in this movie. He is. Dennis Hopper As we've mentioned, never made a bad movie. And Margaret... In this movie, mm -hmm. uh, less known, less well known, but his love interest, uh, uh, Trisha Helper from uh, the new Battlestar Galactica, kind of an interesting cast. Oh, sorry, I gotta reply to my text message. <laughs> Stewart is getting a text message in the middle of this podcast. Maybe it's a text message from his memories from Kefseal. Hey, Stu, time to get murdered, dude. <laughs> I... <laughs> But yeah, Dennis Hopper isn't it? That's true. Also, that chick from Battlestar Galactica, the Dan said. Are you suggesting that sometimes, I would say Oscar caliber actors <laughs> are put in a position where they can make either like an big, exquisite film, well, like a big money movie, mm -hmm. or just kind of like small, like you know, like character piece? Well, let's just let's let's call it like just like a really cerebral movie, you know? Like it's a thinking man's movie because it's about like memories and shit. That's true. Uh, dude, I totally can note the, the sarcasm in your voice, and I think you're doing this movie an injustice. It's a retarded movie. It made me sad. The whole time I watched it, I kept wishing that I had died and well, wasn't the, watching it anymore. Yeah, their, their age is really good. There's this movie about a memorologist. Sure, a master memoryist. Here's making that character an Alzheimer's researcher in a movie about memories is like in Ghost Rider, how the main character's last name was Blaze. What a great-ass coincidence that his last name informs the fact that he will later be on fire. 
It's not good script writing. What's his name in the comic? Yeah, and that's stupid too, then. We, we discussed this in the last uh, podcast, but I had to cut it out for time purposes. The reason why we selected this film, <laughs> which was uh, we, we saw the trailer for it in front of the Korean horror movie The Host, and there was a huge response in the theater when we saw this trailer. Huge, huge response of laughter. <laughs> More laughter than I've ever seen it for was, a supposedly serious trailer. It was the weirdest phenomenon I've ever seen. It was a trailer that very that clearly took itself very seriously and was very earnest about, like, memory and the nightmare of memories and sometimes memories about murderers are scary. And right when it finished, the entire theater cracked up. Well, and it was also a trailer that clearly was edited on an iMac. Like... <laughs> Someone had iMovie. Well, it's a great tool. There was no money left over to make a trailer after getting big stars like Billy Zane. Sure. Deep and pockets. That shit don't come free. Oh, shit. Um, what, uh, the Flophouse. <laughs> Check it out. That sucked. <laughs> that was the worst bumper ever. So I think that we're probably ready to make a judgment on this movie. Now, <laughs> let me remind you of the official Flophouse category. Which I would like to know that. Uh, there's number one. Oh, that's right. I remember this. Number one, a movie that you would not recommend to anyone. That's right, because I'm a goddamn curmudgeon. I remember that. Number two. Number two. There's uh, the movie that you would recommend to someone because it's... Uh, Bad in a way that you find funny, like sure. like a fun bad movie. And number three, a movie that you secretly kind of like. Mm-hmm, sure. So Simon, what category would you put this in? Well, as Stu so stilly pointed out, um, a lot of what I said tonight was dripping with sarcasm. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, no fake. Remember you? you no, that? you said that a minute ago. Remember? Okay. Um, I thought this it movie like was retarded. Now that said, I I I, I hate this movie and. Um, like I said, I wished I was dead. I, I, I might recommend it to other people to watch because it's so bad, with the caveat, though, that you have to watch it with uh, I mean, with a large group of people. Because it's the kind of movie where if you watch it like with one other person and you're both just actually sitting down to watch it, have a good watch, sure. you're going to want to, you're going to want to, I don't know, chop your own legs off. All right, Stuart, what do you say? The thing is, uh, I totally recommend it. Uh, it was awesome. You were a goddamn liar. Uh, no, I'm you not lying. You were a goddamn liar. Dude. You watched a third of it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I got exactly what I wanted out of this movie. Stealth? Not so much. Stealth kind of sucked sure. my dong. Not in a good way. Like, it kind of nibbled <laughs> on it. Yeah, I would say that I would recommend it to people. You're both uh, insane. No, no. I recommend it on the, on the grounds of it being bad. But it is bad in a really fascinating way. <laughs> like, like I said, Billy Zane has some really offbeat line readings that just don't Which make fucking weird. any sense at all. It has the craziest plot device in the world. Like, like they start out in Brazil, and they're <laughs> like, you know what, we're going to give you the power to have uh, your parents' memories. I accidentally touch a powder that makes you have the memories that your parents had before you were born. Yeah, and as you say, uh, it's very convenient that one of his parents happens to be a murderer. It's, like, it's not like... <laughs> really fucking works out nicely. That like, way it's not a bunch of trite or mundane memories. Yeah, like, like, that was oh, my first, I don't know, ice cream social I ever went to. Oh, creepy. Yep. I'm, I'm 
reliving the memory of my parents fucking for the first time. <laughs> this is my That's parents going unpleasant. to a fucking really good soccer. Yep, a fucking box social. <laughs> <laughs> Dick. It would almost be like they also had given him the last name, like, Dr. Jeremiah Memory is having a bunch of weird-ass memories. Like, it's so stupid. Um, In a world full of memories. <laughs> Jeremiah Memory has to unravel two new memories. You know, it's just that kind of my... Dr. Jeremiah Memory, like by the my, way. It's copyrighted. The thing is, is my, it's a movie my I'm working on. religious beliefs, <laughs> in this world there are no coincidences, dude. So sure, I'd that's prefer fair. that sarcasm. Mm, no, you know, you too bad. Everything happens go to for hell. a reason. Nope, go to hell. Everything happens for a reason. No, it doesn't. <laughs> All right. Well, let's put memory behind us. Sure, let's forget let's it. Forget let's forget that memory if we can. <laughs> uh, memory, I said. Dude, I said memory. <laughs> Dan's losing his shit. Someone, someone else is going to have to plow this shit. Hold on, what do we got? Steve, come on, dude. Wait, wait, no, wait. What do you got? Go. No, go. What do you got? I think Dan wants to talk about other movies that we might have seen other than memory recently. Sure, that we would that we recommend. Might yes. Recommend. Sincerely. Simon, you go first. Sure. Um, kind of an How obvious Kind of an obvious one. I think I'm going to steal a lot of people's thunder on this one. But I saw Super Bad the other day, and it was hilarious. It was an incredibly hilarious, great, hilarious movie. Uh, I just totally watched a couple episodes from the second season of Rome, and they were really good. Does that count as a movie? Dan, your thoughts. Does um, that count as a movie? I don't, you know, it's undefined what we're recommending here. Okay. Okay, then let, let me pull this back. Let me Instead of watching a TV show, uh, I totally saw another trailer for a movie called Good Luck Chuck. And every time I think about that movie, I want to beat myself to death with a hammer. So, if you want me to beat myself to death with a hammer, you should make me watch trailers for yep. Good Luck Chuck. I asked uh, Stuart on Tick Stuart out on a nice date to go see Good Luck Chuck. Now, on a trailer. Just the trailer. I don't sure. want to see the movie. Now, again, uh, again, you know, two episodes in, I think we're already seeing some trends here. Sure. One of them being that Stuart... Uh, doesn't necessarily understand the purpose of this segment. <laughs> like, this segment is recommend a movie you recently saw. Stuart's recommendation is two episodes of a DVD TV show and a really annoying trailer you watched. Tra a trailer that he does not <laughs> A trailer for a movie watch. that he really doesn't want to see. A trailer, by the way. You're like, hey, still, what's a great movie you saw recently? Like, uh, I read a really cool magazine article the other day I'm going to check out. Movie! It what movie did you see recently that's really good? Okay, okay. <laughs> Shut the fuck out! Shut out! <laughs> actually, actually, okay. Okay, cool. Everybody's cool. Okay. I watched Disturbia the other day. That's true. We did and, watch Disturbia. Uh, well, we didn't really pay attention when that's we true. first watched it. I watched it again. Okay. Pretty good. Shia LaBeouf. Not bad. Like the guy. Kind of weird love interest element. Um, and kind of the, like... The thing that kind of pushes him to battling the, the murderer is kind of weird, but uh, pretty good. Pretty right good. there. Nicely done, Stu. Luckily, um, this podcast, much like baseball, you only get three strikes, but you knocked it out of the park with that last one. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I try. <laughs> Daniel, what do you got for us? Uh, I watched a movie recently called uh, The Silent Partner. It sounds boring. From the... <laughs> But it wasn't. It was from the late uh, 70s. <laughs> Sounds more boring. It's a, it's, a, it's a thriller. Basically, the premise is... Don't, uh, holy shit! Three strikes! Three strikes! Pull out, Dan! Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. The fact All right. that it's a thriller yes. is like the third... Yep, yeah, it's a strike. What else you got? All right. The premise of the silent partner mm -hmm. is 
there's a bank teller who realizes that a guy is going to to uh, rob the bank. And he sort of has an idea of when this bank robbery is going to occur. So on that day, he puts some of the money in his uh, lunchbox. Okay. And knowing that once the bank has been robbed, the police are going to think, okay, that sure. money was just part of what was stolen. However, the, uh, the bank robber hears him talking about the robbery on the news and realizes that the money that's been reported stolen is larger than the money that he has. So mm. he's then going after the guy sure. for the, the extra for the money. Remainder. It's got Christopher Plummer in it as the bad guy. Interesting. Uh, the, the, the screenplay was written by Curtis Hansen, who you know went on to direct L.A. Confidential and Wonder Boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, it stars Elliot Gould. And you know what? I love that there was a time in our history when Elliot Gould was a big fucking movie star. I agree with that. I think that's fair. You know? like It's pretty <laughs> awesome that there was a period where they're like, you know what? This kind of goofy guy is going to be our, our star. You know He's a major star. He's he a major a really good picture dead star. on friends. That's true. He was also really good in the Oceans movie. But now it's time to say a fond farewell. Yes, it is. So, uh, it's the saddest part of the show. I'd like to thank you for checking in to the Flophouse. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a catchphrase I'm trying out. Which is what? Well, repeat it one more time. Let's get I'd like to thank bite. you for checking into the Flophouse. Well, wouldn't we say, okay, sure. Checking out. Or checking out. But now renting a room. Well, we, yes, that's you know that's better because we wouldn't want to thank them for checking out. We would. Want I'd like to, to thank you all the time. I would like you to thank you, listeners, for renting a room with a flop house. Nice, there it is. Look at that. That's called brainstorming. But it's time to check out for this installment. Okay, taking the middle orbit far, sure. <laughs> but next time you can drop off a deposit for a room. Uh, next time we will be examining the film A Sound of Thunder. Oh, that's right. We will. Shit. And uh, Simon's looking forward to it. Sure and for this episode, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Simon Fisher. And I'm Stuart Wellington. Good night. Boom. Sound good. I was dead. The the thing though is, son of a bitch. Jesus Christ, turn it off. The um, <laughs> what? What? No. Let's let's. let's, 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 let's I'm, I'm sincerely up. interested at in this let's point. Take a moment. Who is texting you that you can't turn the fucking phone off? <laughs> Who is it? What big-breasted woman is texting you? It's certainly very... Medium-sized. It's certainly very mysterious. Medium-sized breast.